Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Animals, but you do not take care of the flock. So they are taking the tithes and offerings of their people. They're taking the outward expression of honour to the Pharisees, but they're not caring for the inside of the people, the spirit of the people. That's what he's saying. You have not strengthened the weak. You haven't healed the sick. You haven't bound up the injured. You haven't brought back the strays. You haven't searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. And then verse 11 in Ezekiel 34 says, I myself will search for my sheep and I will look after them. I am the good shepherd. So Jesus fulfills these prophecies turns up the heat and he actually becomes fairly aggressive in his public discourse towards the Pharisees and is really making a mark because as we we go through the next chapters, he knows that his time's up on earth. He knows that he's really got to land some knockout blows and get the word out that he is the Messiah. Going into John 11. So John 11 is Lazarus, long Really long chapter, but full of so much good stuff. The divinity that we can pull out of this chapter is the miracle of his mate Lazarus dying four days later, being called out of the tomb. But there's also claim, and the claims go both ways. So Jesus says that he is the resurrection and the life, but he also has other people claim who he is, his close friends. Now, Your close friends know you better than anyone else. They know the good stuff. They know the bad stuff. So for his close friends, both Mary and Martha, as their brother Lazarus is dead, they make that claim as they are mourning the death of their brother. And Mary and Martha both call him Lord. And Martha in particular says, you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And Jesus allows that to happen. And there's, the, the scriptures say that there were Jews there as well. The Jews are following him because they're listening to the Pharisees saying, nah, he's not the Messiah. And then a lot of other people, like the blind man and his Jewish family, have said, yeah, he's the Messiah. You've got to listen to him. He's the guy that the scriptures are talking about. And so Jesus goes off to the tomb and he says in verse 40 of John 11, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And so he instructs people to take away the stone and Jesus looks up and he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And and then he says, Lazarus, come out. And out walks his mate. How good's that? A miracle right there and claims that he is Lord, he is Christ, he is the Son of God. All right, Verse, uh, sorry, chapter 12. Chapter 12 has a few parts to it. It has the account of Jesus being anointed at Bethany. So his mate Mary pours expensive perfume onto his feet, wipes it dry with her hair. Now we know that the perfume costs a year's wages. Does anyone have 70 grand worth of perfume at home? Did not think so. 
She didn't go down to Chemist Warehouse to get the $20 Britney Spears stuff. She's getting the good stuff. She's asking the Chemist Warehouse lady to get the key. I'm going into the cabinet. I'm getting the stuff off the top shelf. I'm going to clean Jesus' feet. Palm Sunday is part of this John chapter 12. And that fulfills Psalm 118, a prophecy that the Messiah will come in riding on a donkey. And also the third part of this chapter, Jesus predicts his own death and God says from heaven, as Jesus has been talking about his death, God says from heaven, audibly, in front of everyone, I've glorified it and will glorify it again in verse 28. And then the scriptures in, verse, in chapter 12 say people thought it was a thundering voice or lightning or an angel. That's a pretty big day. They've just seen someone be raised from the dead and then they hear God talk from heaven. How about that? You'd want to write that in your journal. So John 12, divinity. We see the action where he's allowed to be worshipped in public, the triumphal entry. Palms going down on the ground and he comes in on a colt. And the miracle also is that he predicts his own death. So not so much um, a huge miracle, but it's a spiritual work. And in verse 37, some claims here. So even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him, talking about the Pharisees. And this was to fulfil the word of Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 53.1. In verse 44 of chapter 12, Jesus cries out, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Huge chapter. Pardon me. And then moving into John 13, he, he comes away from the public area and he spends time with his disciples. So in John 13, he washes his disciples' feet and he also calls out Judas saying, this is the guy who's going to betray me. And also in that same conversation almost, he says that Peter's going to deny him. And the key thing that I would like to pull out here in terms of his divinity is that he gives an action of washing his disciples' feet. That's an action of servant leadership that revolutionises leadership for the rest of humanity. It's not... Someone sitting on a throne, it's someone behind everyone serving his people. And then the miracle also of him prophesying and the miracle of those prophecies coming to pass. So he's calling out his mates and saying, you're going to betray me and you're going to betray me or deny me, I should say. And we see in verse 21 uh, a duality where we see his humanity and his divinity described in three words, and those three words are troubled in spirit. So in spirit, he was prophesying that Judas was going to betray him. And we hear troubled. So he is actually troubled. It was, it was reeking at his emotions. It was really grabbing at his emotions, and it shows his humanity. This hurt him. That's, that's a rawness that, to humanity that you don't get if you're just a god hovering around Earth. That is a human quality proving that he was fully human. And so we've raced through this. But what we can pull out of these four chapters is that 
Even Jesus, performing miracles, saying he's God, doing it in front of people, there were still people that would watch him do that, hear him say that, and follow him and still go, nah, nah, he's not God. And you, look, you read this and you just think, are you serious? Why would people try and think themselves out of that? The evidence is there, compelling, beyond reasonable doubt. But Jesus and the scriptures say that you just can't convince everyone. His sheep know his name. His sheep know his voice and they follow him and they will hear his voice and they will do whatever he says and, he will, and they will believe whatever he says and they will live life behind him as he leads us. For any farmers in the room, Here's a bit of an interesting tip, not tip, a bit of history. Palestinian shepherds would lead their flock of sheep from the front and they would just talk. They're not behind them on a motorbike with a blue heeler running around. They're in front and they talk to their sheep. The sheep know their voice and that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, I am the great shepherd. We follow Jesus. So now today, he's not walking on earth in human form. He's resurrected in heaven as God, but he leaves our spirit. And we can live a life of actions, miracles and claims. And we can do that as Christians. He's given us the authority to do so. So we can be miraculous by using our spiritual gifts. We can be miraculous just by allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us in our life. And we can engage in conversation. May not always go well, might be hard, might suck even. But we know that it doesn't always bring to pass someone's salvation just like it didn't when Jesus was proclaiming it in public areas. But we can still engage in conversation and get the message out there. And we can act like him as well. Leaders, we can serve. We can be gracious. We can help the needy. And we can show people that the Spirit of God lives in us if we are Christians. There's a lot of takeaways from these chapters. So we can have a bit of time now um, to discuss that around our tables. We're going to reset. We're going to hear from Pastor Daz, um, who's going to talk from this section of Scripture. We're back. All right, morning, everybody. Well, my job today is to point us forward somehow, be practical. How do you live this out in your life this week uh, from the book of John? As we do, um, I just wanted to... Uh, say a couple of things, and uh, the first one is completely gone from my brain. Oh, I did tell you we opened our building in Gunnedah, didn't I? You know that? Yeah, that's a great day. So, if you know the story, five years ago we closed the church there um, that were renting a third of the a building, and they couldn't afford to rent that third of the building. We moved out, um, rented a building. And five years later, we own the whole building of the part we couldn't afford to rent. It's a miracle. It's God's grace. And half the church there are first-time decisions in that church. And so it's a great work. We thank God that we get to be part of it. We don't even pretend to take the credit for it. And um, uh, it's a great God story. Uh, the other thing I just wanted to say thank you was yesterday, uh, we did have the funeral for uh, baby Alicia, who was born, uh, Joe and Tia's Bubba, who was born premature, and uh, just do want to say thank you for everybody who 
contributed. They're on a working visa, and it means they don't get access to a whole bunch of things. Um, and they didn't, they didn't have any money to pay for the funeral. We just, Bron just made a very low-key statement, no rally, no push in this service in the 10, p, uh, 10 p.m. That'll be interesting. The 10 a.m. service last week. And I think at last count, we were, we were over six grand. Uh, I, we probably got to seven or eight, but I don't know. And so I just want to say thank you. I love Jesus Church. Whenever you remember how um, flawed we are, just remember how great it is and in all of its imperfection. And so well done on that. It was a huge blessing to them. And uh, it was a powerful day. Um, if we don't record this bit, uh, even the funeral director who's been dealing with our church with Trish and Renee um, for a bunch of years now through COVID, we've housed a lot of their funerals. And after yesterday, he came up to me and he said, Darren, he said, uh, when are your church services? And so I was able to tell him about this service. And I said, don't go to the 8.30. They're not Christians. And uh, <laughs> I said, but 10, 10's great. You'll love 10. And um, so... Again, you know, just well done to everybody. You, you, you're living it well. Let me get down to this with the uh, handful of minutes that we have. Have you ever had a moment that changed you, like in some way, like in a small way or a big way? Um, I, I can remember the day when I realised I wanted to marry Bronnie. It was in Cowra in the main street. She was sitting in the park with a friend of mine and she had a newspaper on her head, as Bronnie would, to shade herself. And I looked and I thought, oh, I think I want to marry that girl. It changed me. Um, I, I remember one day someone dismissing one of my daughters um, despite her gifts because of a gender. And to be honest, I, I always thought that stuff was just, I was a white privileged male. But it changed me as I realised that my daughter born female would be left out not based on a gifting but on a gender and I vowed that I would never be silent on it again. And then there's this scripture. For David, when he had served God's purpose in his own generation, fell asleep and rested with his fathers. Um, for when David had served God's purpose in his generation, and if you've been around, you've heard me preach from that, you'll be glad to know I'm not today. But the reality is that that verse, when I read it somewhere in my 20s, it changed my life forever. It, it's never been the same. I've reprayed the prayer that I'm here to serve God's purpose every year of my life, sometimes multiple times in a year. It's framed decisions. It's, it's determined direction. It's, it, it's, it's impacted everything. It's something changed on the inside of me from that. And, and so I want to bring you to John chapter 11 because it's that kind of thing. It's, it's meant to change us. It's meant to be that kind of passage of scripture. It's meant to change us. And, and if I'm not changed by it and I am a Christian, I probably do have some questions to ask. And, but but if, if you've been changed by it, it you change forever. Listen to it, John chapter 11, verse 1. A man was na named Lazarus was sick and, and Andrew pointed us to it. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. And this is the Mary who later poured out the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. He say $70,000 worth or whatever it is. And uh, I asked Amy because I was next to her. I said, Ames, do you have that kind of money invested in perfume? And she has. So if you want some, go. This is the Mary who later pour out expensive wine. It goes on. 
Lazarus was sick, they sent a message to Jesus about his friend and said he's very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son will receive glory from him. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary and Lazarus, he stayed for where he was for the next two days. And we could just pause there and go, timing is everything. When we act in love, sometimes timing is going to hold us back or press us forward or whatever it is. I only just thought of that then, so it probably shouldn't have been in my notes. So, so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary and Lazarus for the next few days, he waits. And then he says, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can, they can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. You can't blame them for getting confused sometimes, can you? (laughs) I'm reading it and I'm confused. I'm like, what, Jesus? You got me confused too. And then he says this, Lazarus is dead and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you'll really believe. So they've been with Jesus all this time and he says, I'm glad Lazarus is dead because when he wakes up, you're going to believe and that's going to change everything. And of course he goes and Lazarus is resurrected from the grave and they believe and and then it goes on and, and it says this. He's talking to Martha It says, now I know that God will give you whatever you ask, Jesus told her. Your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And that was our comfort yesterday. I was looking at the casket of that baby child and I was just imagining that one day soon, there's going to be a resurrection reunion and her and her mama are going to hold each other on the day when Jesus returns. And I'm like, oh, we're not as those who perish without hope, but those who live in light of the resurrection to come. And he says, everyone who lives, uh, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. So obviously he's confused him again. You will die, but you will live. You will never die. So what's that mean? You will die. You'll be resurrected. You'll live forever. Um, Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you. Uh, You are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world. Many people did believe in him. However, including some of the Jewish leaders. uh, Sorry, many people did believe in him. However, including some of the Jewish leaders. But they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue. Here's where I want to bring us to. Lazarus' resurrection, it changed everything. It changed a lot that day. Obviously changed Lazarus' life. It changed believing for the disciples. It would have been the word on the street, can you imagine, resurrected from the dead. But, and Lazarus' resurrection was big, but it's not actually the biggest resurrection moment here. There's a bigger resurrection moment than Lazarus being risen from the dead. And it's Jesus' resurrection statement. 
He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And that statement there is meant to change us in a way that Lazarus' resurrection from the grave can only begin to change him. And I read that statement, I think this, I want this to be on the inside of me in a way that it transforms my life. And so he says to Martha, do you believe? And Martha says, yes, Lord, I have always believed. You are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who came into the world from God. And so what's, what, what's our response to Jesus' statement? Uh, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even though they die. Do you believe this? You know, if you're not convinced of it, that's okay. I'd love to have a conversation with you after the service. I'm not preaching in the next service, so we've got plenty of time. And uh, Pastor Jack Haynes is, if you're here, and uh, that will be something. If you ever want to stay around for two services, today would be the day. It'd be better than watching Collingwood out. And uh, Pastor Jack Haynes in the 10 a.m. service. He says, do you believe? And, and, and so if you are already there, if you do believe, has this changed you to the core in the way Jesus would want it to? And of course, looking around this room, many of us would say, absolutely, it has. How has it changed you? Listen to Jesus again as we think about how this changes us. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant uh, in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Jesus, being who he is, is meant to obviously change everything. And I know that many of you get that, but is that what's happened? I was talking to Pastor Ratu yesterday and... uh, Someone said, oh, there's a pastor here that knows you. And I came out into the gathering and and it was Pastor Ratu. He's an old man now. And we had a big hug. I meet with him in Sydney and he brings all the Fijian pastors so we can talk about how to reach Fijian communities. But he's a very famous pastor because he was Fiji's first ever dual international. He played rugby union for Fiji and for Australia. And so he's... He's, uh, he's got an incredible story. But uh, one of the Australian teams brought him back in the early, uh, late 70s to Australia to play. And then he, on his first day in Australia, someone takes him to a church service. He hears the gospel and commits his life to Jesus. And the next day, he doesn't want to play rugby anymore. <laughs> he did play rugby because he said, I just... I think he probably had it needed it for his visa, actually. He said, I, they were my employer. I needed to play rugby. But he said, Darren, everything changed in a moment of time. And suddenly rugby had gone from being God to something peripheral in his life because he discovered that Jesus was the resurrection and the life and he'd never be the same again. And now, even just last week, this man in his mid-70s was telling me that he's just been to Fiji he went to the um, internal part of Fiji, right in the middle of, you know, the island of Fiji where, where tribes still worship Satan. Literally, they go to Satan church through the week. And he said, my rugby doors were the only thing that opened the way for us to go and preach the gospel to these people who've never heard about Jesus and who worship the devil. 
What a profound statement, what a profound change has taken place 50 years ago when that man surrendered his life to Jesus because Jesus is the resurrection and the life and he did indeed believe. And have you been changed by that? And, and, and I know that many of you had, so here, here's, that, here's the final question. What might that look like for you in your context and in this season? What does a changed life look like for you just in this season that's right in front of us now? What does that look like? Because I think if you believe in him, our lives are so much more than what we eat, drink, do, can build, whatever it is that goes on in life, but that we might be those who walk the earth, uh, truly change. It's not a guilt trip. It's a reality check. It's a, it's a reset. It's a stirring of the heart for all of you who live this way just to go, hey, let's remember what's going on. Let's remember that he is the resurrection and the life, and we are changed by him. We do, and if we believe that we would determine that our lives are going to matter, that they're going to make a difference, in Jesus' name, amen. All right? Praise God. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to pray, and then... Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for each person here. Lord, we thank you that Jesus is indeed the resurrection and the life. We thank you for every person whose understanding has been open and whose heart has been soft to receive Jesus for who he is. We thank you for believing people. We thank you for changed lives and help us to be those change agents in the lives of others, Lord. Help us to make a difference everywhere we go. Help us to live big picture in terms of life and eternity and people. And God, we just commit everyone to you. For the curious, I pray, Lord, you continue to draw uh, people towards yourself. You'd open people's eyes and understanding to who you are and when people see you for who you are, that they'd never be the same again. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au. And thanks again for listening.